This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to Radio Parallax. We have a couple of especially interesting guests for you today, a couple of authors. The first, Robert K. Tannenbaum, will be speaking with in our second segment today. Robert Tannenbaum writes crime fiction. You've probably seen one of his bestsellers in your Safeway or Rayleigh's. In his crime books, he borrows heavily upon his past experiences, which have included Deputy Chief Counsel to the Congressional Committee investigating the assassinations of President Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Prior to that, he had served as the New York City Assistant District Attorney, Homicide Bureau, and was later the mayor of Beverly Hills. And in our third segment today, we'll be speaking with adult film legend Christy Canyon, whom we enjoyed talking to two weeks ago in this program. She didn't get a chance to discuss her autobiography very much, titled Lights, Camera, Sex, but that deficiency will will be made up today. So stay tuned for her discussion of the curious world of adult films in segment number three. Now, last week's show was April Fool's, and we spent a lot of time fooling around on that program. Uh, A favorite part was the discussion of some of the pranks, which appeared on a website. We're going to return to those, but uh, but not today. Some of the more immensely enjoyable pranks of history are worth spending a few minutes on, but I think we covered that topic adequately, so let's, uh, let's do some other stuff today. One thing I'd like to start off with is our good friend Dave Barry. And I say good friend because Dave Barry has given Radio Parallax his personal permission to read his columns on the air. At least when I told him we were doing it, he said, I don't care. And I'm taking that as a green light. All right, Dave Barry's recent column titled Good Sport. I've decided to take up a sport. I thought about taking up competitive eating. This is an actual sport which I found out about from a TV show called Man versus Beast. This is one of those reality shows which depict real situations that real people like you and me are always really finding ourselves in. For example, I was hanging out with some celebrity millionaire bachelorette class reunion survivors. Anyway, on Man vs. Beast, they had real humans competing against real animals in various contests, one of which was eating hot dogs. This event pitted a guy named Takeru Kobayashi, billed as the world's record holder in hot dog eating, <laughs> against a Kodiak bear, whose name was not given, probably because when he realized what kind of show this was, he demanded anonymity to protect his career. You will never guess who won, unless you have three or more brain cells, in which case you will immediately say, the bear. I mean, duh, it's a bear. The announcers tried to make the contest look exciting by showing replays, but basically what you had was a bear and a guy eating hot dogs, which even in slow motion is not riveting entertainment. A better concept would have been to have the bear eat the network executives responsible for reality television. Of course, then there would have been complaints from PETA. Now we have an email from uh, Don Rose in Los Angeles. Uh, Don apparently received one of these letters from the Nigerians. You know this this thing that says, I've been mandated to look for a reliable overseas partner 
into whose account we can transfer the sum of 16500000 U.S. dollars. That's why I'm writing you. Well, Don wrote back and said, Dear Mr. Nigerian, I don't even know. Thank you so much, Dr. Olu Phillips, for your offer to receive 10% of $16.5 million, even though we've never met. I'm touched and honored to have been chosen out of the millions of Americans you have never met. To offer so much money without even meeting is remarkable. Such trust in an era of business dishonesty is moving and restores my faith in my fellow man. I'm afraid I must, however, turn this offer down because I do not feel right in taking this money from you. Don't worry, I'm keeping your generous offer under my hat, but it's simply too much, in my opinion, for the task of using my bank account. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing I ripped you off for 1.65 million bucks. Best of luck finding a bank account to use. If you're diligent, you'll probably find one somewhere. You may have to send out a few more emails, though, just so you know. Take care, Donald Rose. I don't know about you, but I am touched by Don's honesty on that one. Don also forwarded us an email about the issue of the sanctity of marriage. We've discussed this gay marriage issue um, in the past. We'll be returning to that issue in the future. Hopefully with the host of The Fringe, Wednesday morning's public affairs program here in KDVS, Shelley Krauss Moneris. I met Shelley at uh, Franz Senegal's house last week, and we're looking forward to talking about this issue in an election year. But back to Don's email. Uh, it was a tallying of people who are pushing this issue of the sanctity of marriage. Defenders include Ronald Reagan, who divorced the mother of two of his children to marry Nancy Reagan, who bore him a daughter seven months after the marriage. Bob Dole, who divorced the mother of his child who had nursed him through his long recovery from his war wounds. Newt Gingrich, who divorced his wife, who was at that time dying of cancer. Dick Armey, the House Majority Leader, is divorced, as is Senator Phil Graham of Texas, as is Governor John Inger of Michigan, as is columnist George Will, as is Senator Louch Faircloth. Rush Limbaugh and his current wife, Marta, have six marriages and four divorces between them. Senator Bob Barr of Georgia, who's not yet 50 years old, has been married three times. He's the author of the Defense of Marriage Act. The current joke making the rounds on Capitol Hill is, Bob Barr, which marriage are you defending? Let's see, who else we got? Senator, Former Senator Alphonse D'Amato of New York, divorced. Senator John Warner of Virginia. Well, he gets extra credit because he was once married to Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, Governor George Allen of Virginia, divorced. Senator John McCain of Arizona, divorced. Uh, Representative Susan Molinari of New York, who's the Republican National Convention keynote speaker, divorced. Bottom line, don't let gays destroy marriage. That's the job of Republicans. All right, joining us now to have a word about uh, about last week's show is KDVS's own Michael Mercury. Mercury, you there? Yes, hello. Thanks for calling. Well, I just thought we ought to come on and, and talk about the fact that we're both working here on this community radio station providing uh, alternate views of things and that people were probably, uh, as I was talking on the last week's show about astrology and my, and my dim view, but people were probably cringing, thinking like, boy, I wonder what Mercury's got to say. 
and they'd be surprised, I think, to find that you were sitting right next to me. That was a pre-recorded segment. We were laughing about it. Yes, actually, it's quite fun because, as people might know, that you're a doctor, and if you look at your own history, you had to know something about astrology or you couldn't have been a doctor in the old days. And in fact, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, apparently Johannes Kepler, the famous astronomer, that he made his living doing charts for people. Exactly. But I also like to point out, because I think you were a little surprised when I told you that, you know, I don't really believe in astrology. And people ask, often ask me, you know, how do you believe in that? And I said, well, I don't, because I approach it like a language. And I think that's what makes astrology interesting, because it's, it's really what every individual astrologer does with it that determines the value of it. Fair enough. And I've listened to your show, and I think that, you know, I mean, you, you've said you use it as a language, and the, the advice you're giving to people, I, I certainly cannot fault. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And by the way, I really enjoy your show, too. You, you do a great job. It's really uh, one of the most best-produced uh, programs that we have on KDBS. Well, Mercury, thanks for that. And we should mention that, that uh, we, we also enjoyed last week when our lovely co-host, uh, Franz Senegal, had us over for some pizza. We went out looking at the planets ourselves, and, and it was quite a display, seeing Mercury, Venus, uh, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn all at the same time. Absolutely. People can just take a look at the sky and look at the mystery of, of existence, and it's truly a marvelous experience. And by the way, I'm on every Sunday from 6 to 7, and the public affairs show I do is uh, Tuesday. I'm sorry, Mondays from 5 to 6, and I really appreciate you uh, calling me and then clarifying the astrological point of view. Well, glad to have you on, and we want to also, from the astronomical slash astrological point of view, send the curious out to look at Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Your namesake is apparently now dropping below the horizon, right. but it's still a fine show throughout the month of uh, April and even into May. Great. Well, listen, thank you again. Take care of yourself. All right. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's tax time once again, and uh, I would draw your attention to the business section of the Sacramento Bee, Saturday, April 3rd, with the following little article. Many corporations have avoided taxes. Using data collected by the IRS, auditors found that 71% of foreign corporations operating in the United States paid no federal income tax between 1996 and 2000. During the same time, 61% of American corporations paid no income tax. After a review of this GAO study, Senator Byron Dorgan of North Dakota said, they don't pay their fair share and the net result is the average taxpayer working families wind up paying more and make up that difference. Researchers found that companies improperly reduce or eliminate tax liabilities by, by fallaciously pricing transactions among subsidiaries in different countries. In other words, a big company like ITT says, no, no, they move the books around. No, we didn't make that money in the United States. We made it in Argentina, if it's some transaction involving Argentina and the United States. Of course, in Argentina, the people looking over the books will find out that, oh, no, no, we made that money in the United States, not Argentina. Uh, I, I mentioned IT&T because of Anthony Sampson's great book, The Sovereign State of IT&T, which is like 25 years old, where he outlined this. Apparently, a lot of people read Samson's book in the corporate world and decided, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I would remind you that during approximately that same period, the Enron Corporation, at one point listed as the fifth largest corporation in the world by Fortune magazine, or at least the United States, the Enron Corporation, in four of those five years, paid no money in income tax. Now, I'm not sure what I paid during each of those five years, 
But I know that in every case, it was a lot more than zero. So let's see. Kenny Lay, who so far remains unindicted in the Enron scandal, uh, his corporation paid zero in four or five years while I was paying considerably more than zero. It just doesn't, it just doesn't seem right to me. Does it seem right to you? We're going to try and uh, try and delve into that arcane uh, world of taxation. Uh, my understanding is that the tax structure in the United States in the 1950s versus now has shown a precipitous drop in the percentage of taxes paid by corporations, which has been made up by, that's right, the rest of us. But great as our tax burden is, it has not kept pace with public spending. For decades, we have piled deficit upon deficit mortgaging our future and our children's future for the temporary convenience of the present. To continue this long trend is to guarantee tremendous social, cultural, political, and economic upheavals. You and I, as individuals, can, by borrowing, live beyond our means, but for only a limited period of time. Why then should we think that collectively, as a nation, we're not bound by that same limitation? Well, I think Ronald Reagan asked a valid question with that, said during his inaugural address. So I've been really curious to note that of late, the Republican Party is openly embracing massive, gigantic deficits. Reagan, we would remind you, borrowed more money during his presidency, in spite of that speech, than all of his 40 predecessors combined. The Bush-Cheney administration, in less than four years, has almost equaled the total borrowing of Reagan-Bush over eight years. I don't know whether you noticed Doonesbury last week. Uh, they were having a bit of fun with these Republican spokesmen coming out and saying, yeah, the bigger the deficit, the greater the pressure to restrain spending. Hello? John Kerry's going to take some hits for being a tax-and-spend liberal. And, uh, you know, taxing and spending may not be so good, but spending just the same and then borrowing makes even less sense. Ask Tom McClintock. He was on our show three weeks ago and talked about how borrowing to pay your debts uh, really doesn't solve anything. I agree with Senator McClintock. And did you notice Dennis Kozlowski getting a mistrial in his Tyco case? This is a guy that looted at least $600 million out of his corporation, who amazingly was able to find one juror who wouldn't convict him. Hmm. That juror now denies that she gave the thumbs-up sign to the defense team. Well, wouldn't you? And uh, speaking of uh, tax breaks... Apparently, all across the United States, developers are taking property tax breaks meant to preserve farmland. Yes, apparently developers are buying land with the intention of building on it. And during the years when he readies the property for construction, preparing architectural plans, acquiring financing and permits, even building roads and laying pipe, he runs some cows or cuts some hay. Then he claims the tax break. And because of loopholes, often even a pretense of farming can be enough to qualify. The article cites a case in Elbert County, Colorado, of people who bought 60 acres and put one cow on it and got a tax break. Elsewhere in the state, parking lots have qualified after a few cows were brought in to graze on grassy strips between parking lanes. 
Now, one man who sponsored one of these laws back in 1972 said the whole idea was to encourage people to keep their land in agricultural use. Now, uh, I have witnessed the use of the tax structure in California to rape open land. I saw this happen in the Bay Area. I saw how once taxes were nudged up just a little bit, it played completely into the hands of developers. And uh, boy, first of all, we got to make you aware of this. This must change. But that's, again, a topic we'll delve into in future shows a little more in depth. And we should say a word about uh, that terrible attack that took place in Fallujah last week, making headlines all across the country. I would agree with the Bush administration. This was a horrific attack on four Americans. Lost somewhere in the shuffle over this incident is the discussion of the fact that these men were being hired as mercenaries to work in Iraq. Uh, They were working for this firm called Blackwater, Blackwater USA. Uh, representatives for this private security company said they weren't sure what they were up to on that uh, on that morning. Their families are struggling to explain what the men were hired to do. But it turns out the job of protecting everyone in Iraq is largely being done by private security companies stocked with former soldiers looking for good money and a taste of danger. Pentagon officials count roughly 20 private companies around the world that are contracting for security work, mainly in combat areas. They're finding plenty of it in Iraq. What I don't get is that Blackwater recruits from the ranks of active duty special forces units. Now, how do you how do you hire a guy that's on active duty? Uh, particularly Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and Delta Force troops, many of which are based in nearby Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The best and brightest among private security consultants earn salaries that run as high as $15,000 a month. Blackwater charges its clients $1,500 to $2,000 a day for each hired gun. The article states that locals often mistake these guards for special forces or CIA personnel. Well, they are special forces, apparently, which makes active duty military troops a bit edgy. Quote, those Blackwater guys, says an intelligence officer in Iraq, they drive around wearing Oakley sunglasses and pointing their guns out car windows. They pointed their guns at me, and it pissed me off. Imagine what a guy in Fallujah thinks. Now let's back up on this. The U.S. sent a small force, which Don Rumsfeld, for political reasons, decided needed to be kept at about 135,000 for the whole country of 16 million in Iraq. They haven't been able to pacify the country. It's very much mission not accomplished a year later. And you and I, the taxpayer, are paying 20 companies like Blackwater $1,500 to $2,000 a day to put their hired guns over in Iraq. When we think of mercenaries in this country, I think we tend to think of like, you know, the Revolutionary War and the Hessians that George Washington attacked. Uh, we tend to look, look down upon people who hire out as mercenary forces, but isn't that what we're talking about here? That's $1,500 a day per person. I think this goes a long way toward explaining why the war in Iraq is costing $160 billion, or actually, or is it 240 I can't keep track. Uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. I might want to quote Jean-Paul Sartre at this point. Recently was uh, cited in the Montreal Gazette for a quote of his that said, Once you hear the details of victory, it is hard to distinguish it from defeat. All right, a couple of final items since uh, financial planning seems to, to figure prominently in this segment. A New Mexico casino aired and then pulled a TV commercial recently that was aimed at people in debt. (laughs) 
said, credit card bills keep piling up, said the ad. Well, Isleta Casino Resort comes to your rescue. Yes, go to the casino and win your way out of debt. But if you think about it, is that so different from what we're doing in the federal budget? And in, uh, in a terrible story from National Public Radio, last week NPR unceremoniously fired Bob Edwards, the host of Morning Edition, after 25 years on the job. Apparently the network's new honchos think that the graceful Edwards at 56 is too old, even though his show is still the most listened to radio program in the United States. We would note that most television programming openly panders to the younger demographic that advertisers crave, and apparently now even public radio has adopted this simple-minded thinking that says a younger audience will accept news only if a younger person delivers it. Well, as an older person operating here on a station, which is affiliated with the university and staffed, the course staff, by students, I can only shudder at this development at National Public Radio. That's it for this segment. Stay tuned for a most fascinating talk with Robert K. Tannenbaum to follow in our second segment today. You're listening to Radio Parallax. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. And, oh yeah, I'm your host, Douglas Everett. Douglas Everett.